This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Kari, uh, and good morning to all of you. Uh, it is September 30th, 2019. It is the morning after. The morning after what, you ask? It is the morning after our launch party and Portland pilgrimage. And we're doing this emergency podcast <laughs> so that you know all the deets about the experience if you weren't able to go or if you did go. Very exciting. I, <laughs> I'm riveted right now, which is good because... I'm needing my coffee after such a celebratory evening. It was celebratory. It was it was really lovely. And <laughs> I think I had a little bit too much wine, just a little bit. So my eyes are a little tired today. You look a little tired as well. I, I am I am a bit on the tired side this morning. I think uh I mean surprisingly it was a low stress experience because we had spent so much time planning it that the day the day before I didn't even have to work on it and prep for it. And then the day of, it was pretty mellow. But still, I think when you're planning something for two or three months and it finally gets done, there's just a sense of relief and that causes soul tiredness. I would agree. And it's a little ironic because we're looking out the window at this beautiful, beautiful blue sky. Uh, which today would be a perfect day for a pilgrimage, no, but no, 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 we no. walked yesterday. No, yesterday was the perfect day, the Aww. perfect Portland day. It really was, because if we had had a sunny day, it really wouldn't represent Portland very well. It was overcast and gray and... A little bit of, of just leading rain, just, just a tiny bit. Just on the bit. edge of rain the whole time, just <laughs> enough to remind, just to keep your, your, your face refreshed the whole way. It was lovely. So um, we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened because um, we want you to feel like you are a part of it, because you are. Um, Pilgrim Lost is a community of people who are exploring life in hopeful motion. And life in hopeful motion is what tomorrow was about, and life in hopeful motion is what Pilgrim Lost is about in all of its forms. And so you are a part of what we're doing. So Tony crafted this liturgy that we used on the walk. And first of all, I just want to say that it was really beautiful. Um, I got the opportunity to design the very exciting uh, layout of the brochure, but for for the, the content, just to, to share a little bit about it, it really, it goes through 12 different stations. And actually, I kind of want Tony to walk through this because he, he, he spent a lot of time and a lot of energy um, really going, going through this in a way that, that I didn't really get the full sense of it until yesterday because I was walking it and um, it was quite masterful the way he did it. First of all, it was about, what was it, three and a half miles you said? Yeah, yeah, it's three three plus miles. Which walking it did not feel that way because oh. we stopped um, 12 different times in the process and had these moments. So Tony, explain a little bit about the each of the um, the stations and kind of how it was set up so people have a sense of what we did. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to be overly wonky about it, but um, I, I did, I did some of my, one of my degrees on sort of historical, um, religious systems, and and particularly uh, 
uh, religious ceremonies that... So, the, say, so I'm giving you permission to be overly wonky because <laughs> religious systems, is that that's, a, that's actually a degree or... Kind of, yeah, I have, a, I have some degrees in theology and other things. So I am the woman on the street. I'm the, I'm the what, what would I call the, the Jane Doe? All, all I want to say is there is this thing that happens across cultures and across generations and actually across centuries where these same themes in the same order come up over and over again across the globe. In many, many different religious systems, we find the same organization pattern happening over and over again. And I use that as sort of the hopeful basis of writing the liturgy. And so, um, so as you walk through it, we started by crossing the Broadway Bridge from the east side to the west side. And the bridge represents what many, many faith journeys represent, which is you have to decide what you're leaving behind and what you're moving towards. Letting go of something and moving into something new, which is the essence of pilgrimage, is the moving into something new. And so often it's the releasing of some sort of burden, be that if that burden is grief or guilt or pain or failure or whatever it might be. Um, that's, so that's the starting place and the reminder that we, we easily get distracted when we go on pilgrimage, and that was station two. So the opening stations are setting the heart. Mm. And then the next several stations um, were what the next thing that often happens in these historical liturgies is you begin to tell a global story first. So everyone knows where they're placed in the larger story of the world. So those three stations were um, fellow travelers, injustice, sh and shadows. And these three stops in Portland had us stopping in, um, in the right next to the Chinese Gardens in Old Town, right, and then had us moving to um, stopping right above an opening uh, to the Shanghai Tunnels. It wasn't actually open, but uh, it was a, an entrance to the Shanghai Tunnels, right. And then had us moving right underneath the broad, uh, the Burnside Bridge, which was shadows. Uh, and those three those three stops were were pretty close together, right, as we moved. And then, and then we moved on next to um, right down by Ankeny Square, which I had no idea. Tony weaved in um, pieces of Portland's history, and this particular square is the oldest Portland-endorsed art installation, as well as the Skidmore Fountain. And I, in the liturgy, he had typed 1888, and I thought he had screwed up, and I Googled it <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> Before I put it in there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I had no idea." So, um, so we stopped there, and then we spent some time in the Saturday market in the marketplace. Right. So, so you first set where you are, and sort of the global story, the universal story, with those really big themes: injustice and shadows. And then you move into where am I in my immediate community story? So then we talked about art and how people express what they care about. And then we walked into the marketplace and we did what's called passing the peace or connecting with your neighbor. And we just sort of walked around and just experienced, I'm a part of something and there are other people in my story. I mean, I don't even know their names, but I'm, I'm, I'm in something else. So that then was the next phase. And then the, the follow-up phase is then you move very personal. So you see how it's going from global mm -hmm. to deeply intimate. And so the next two phases was a time of silence as we walked through the waterfront. And that was a time to reflect on um, hurts, losses, pain, failure, and really to think through what, what are the hurting things inside my life that, that maybe my soul wants to surface, but I'm never quiet enough 
to let my soul speak. So you walk through that and that ended at the fountain and the fountain was a place of cleansing, internal cleansing. We encourage people, it was cold, so it was hard to, we encourage people to go ahead and get, get your hands wet, get your face wet, you know, dance around the fountain. And some of us did and it was, uh, it was great. So you can see how it was going from universal to local to personal. This is really beautiful. Like and you didn't even know some of this. Well, no, I, I mean, I knew, I knew those things, but, but I have no, no, uh, have never studied any type of, of theology or any of these things. So clearly I was a participant in it and I knew right. that we were going from these broader things to these more personal things, but to hear sort of that this is something more universal and, and I, so I came from my background, uh, I grew up in a protestant church well actually that's a longer story but we didn't even really go to church when i was a kid and then uh and then i was in a charismatic church um and it wasn't until just a few years ago that i started attending a church that has a liturgy and i think when i was younger a liturgy felt like it was a little bit narrow then as i got older i realized and have started to appreciate the beauty of liturgy and having this thing that you engage in that people are, have been doing for what tell me how long have people been doing liturgies since time began right? yeah since time began so that the the process of a liturgy to me i've grown in appreciation of it and so but just hearing sort of the background and the history and why people write the way that they do is yeah. is fascinating to me yeah my research went back six thousand years i went back that far to see that these themes have been consistent throughout and then the last the last phase of it was um once this internal journey has happened and then you go into every religious tradition has some tradition of, of, of rebirth, of re reliving, reestablishing life. So the last, the last reflections were on death and then resurrection and celebration and then ascending and telling people that we, we love you and thank you for coming. And we sent them sort of back into their lives to take this. And, and so much of pilgriming, again, just to kind of go to, the larger life of pilgrim loss, so much of pilgriming is unstructured. But there's something powerful about walking in thoughtful steps that have gone before you. That's one of the reasons why the Camino de Santiago is so meaningful, because millions of pairs of feet have walked it, have set, have, have rutted the road with their tears and with their footsteps. And you walk through it, you follow them. And, and part of what we wanted to do here was also sort of prepare a rutted road for people to walk that has some intentionality to it and just to go ahead and not bury the lead any longer we won't we want to post this liturgy on our blog so that anybody can go do it and it's it's self-led you can all the instructions are actually in the liturgy so if you want to take a max down to the rose quarter and just walk across the broadway bridge and go through these 12 steps you can do it on your own anytime and actually car you were talking about wanting to do it again alone sometime yes ab absolutely i we were just chatting before we turned on the mic about sort of our feelings and and what about what happened yesterday and the thing that I that for me was the most prominent in my mind is the idea that I want to walk it again. It was it was a really beautiful experience to walk it in community with people, but I find I like to walk in my own pace. There was times I wanted to sit and stay in that particular spot at a particular station, and uh, so having almost a whole day to, to go and do that alone sounds really appealing to me. And I'm hoping that that the other pilgrims that walked it and those of you that will hopefully download the liturgy from our, 
our website will take that time and and go do that because I think I think each of these stops has a lot of there's there's so in the liturgy itself there's a guided a thought about that particular spot in Portland and then there's a few readings from a huge variety of people um, throughout the liturgy and and each one of those you could sit and meditate on that for for a period of time and so um, we obviously only had a short period to do the walk yesterday but I do want to do it again and um, and I'm excited to do it with some time on my hands there's um there are 24 I think there's 24 uh, short readings in your just just short quotes um, did any of those quotes stand out to you Cara I don't want to put you on the spot oh no I mean, well, you, I have a I'm mic sure, on. I'm sure Dostoevsky is the one you want oh, to say. Oh, yeah. So I had to read, and I actually, I, I, I shite thee not. I actually pulled up, I Googled how to, how to pronounce it, and there was an entire YouTube video on how to pronounce this last name. Dostoevsky. And I, Dostoevsky. Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> I did it. At one point, I thought, thought I had it down, and then, of course, when the, the moment came and I was supposed to read it, I screwed it up. But... Um, I let me go find, see if I can find it. Dun, dun, dun. I know that Janus, um, who was on the was one of our readers actually, mm-hmm. he said that this quote has changed his life. Wow! I'm not kidding you. Which one? The, a reading from Rumi, one of my favorites. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. I love that one too. I mean, that just gives me chills when you, yeah. like my, the hair on the back of my neck just stood up. I, I loved that one. Well, so Tony, as I said, Tony wrote this, but I got to throw in one quote of a favorite of mine is uh, Hafiz. And it's, it's very sweet. Hafiz writes in this very sweet way, but it's, it's an interesting, um, his poetry has always resonated with me. And this particular quote uh, says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. So that was a, that was a favorite of mine. But I, um, I also, the, the one, um, it's interesting because I read Laura Ingalls Wilder as a, as a, as a little girl, like mm. most little girls did. And you have a quote from her and I thought it was so it was so it struck me and I it was one of mine that I got to read and it said we had this was in so this was in the waterfront park um, section where we're walking towards the fountain which actually was really walking in silence in silence and I it was the really because we were with all these people and it was we were meeting new friends and old friends there was a community but then that was really powerful to just have that period where we were in silence and interestingly enough when I looked down at the fountain when we had turned from the marketplace it didn't look that far. I thought, oh, it's going to be this very short little walk, but it wasn't. It was actually no. a longer period, and I, I thought it was really important that we had that time. And we walked right through the middle of the field, not on the walking paths, but where there was really a sense of sort of isolation, and um, and the geese were amazing. Yes. No, that was actually, I feel like for me, that was one of the most impactful moments for mm. me. Um, but the, the quote that he, he included was, from Laura Ingalls Wilder, it said, We had no choice. Sadness was as dangerous as panthers and bears. The wilderness needs your whole attention. And I feel like, in hearkening back to our journeys on the Camino de Santiago, I, those times 
of of wilderness for me and my walk mm. were really important mm. um you know as we've mentioned before i was going through a very intense grieving period and i i think i even shared with you that i had uh, there were times where i i had a, a playlist that i had constructed that was songs of grieving for me specific mm. songs um music for me is really important and so there were these times when i just knew that i needed to engage in that space and so i'd turn on these these particular lists and i would literally cry for hours yeah. walking yeah. and so even though this was a short period of time i feel like that wilderness space was really um was really meaningful and what a tremendous illustration of our hope that these unbelievable experiences that happen on the other side of the world, that they don't have to be on the other side of the world, that the similar sensation can happen right in downtown Portland on a drizzly gray Sunday afternoon. It's so much of it is about just do, do we have the courage to live intentionally as a pilgrim? I'm excited to read a few of these. Um, well, not quotes there there's comments that we so after after the walk we yes. came back and we had an after party um or a party it was after party it was after the walk <laughs> and in, invited pilgrims that had walked and, and those pilgrims that couldn't be on the walk to come and join us and just have a glass of wine and celebrate our launch and so we had um just little note cards where people could comment and we had three questions that we asked people to respond to and the first question was um, what impacted you about the walk? And then number two was what surprised you? And then number three was, would you encourage someone else to do something like this? Um, I'm actually going to read. Uh, so I had a friend that, that came on the walk that I was actually really surprised he showed up, uh, even though I, I think I might have guilted him into it. <laughs> um, and uh, he, uh, he walked with us. He didn't he knew one other person besides myself, so he was pretty quiet during the walk. And uh, so I was really, um, when I read his comments, I, I wanted to share them with you to give you a sense of what it was like for a pilgrim walking. So the first question, as I said, was what impacted you? And he, he wrote, I've had a year of upheaval, transitions, new and strengthened relationships. My compass was destroyed and I was set adrift several times. The first two stations very particularly were impactful for me for what they asked me to consider and the respect, seriousness, even reverence with which it was treated. These are conversations or exchanges that typically unfold one-on-one -on -one in rare, vulnerable moments with friends, but the communal aspect of this elevated it somehow, even when the contemplation was private. And then the answer to the second question, which was what surprised you, he wrote the power and desirability of the communal spirit. I've always been a loner, though I love and cherish people. This week, someone told me, let other people help you. I'm still surprised by how much I hunger for that, even when I want to think I don't. Mm -hmm. And then the last question, he, he said, why should someone do this? He said, to be present with others, to be present with your community and immediate environment to be present with your own thoughts, to step away from what's rote and comfortable and open yourself to the new and unfamiliar. That's great. I mean, that's so much our hope that, you know, 
we put this together for you, really. Um, and that someone's that people had experiences like that. It's really, really meaningful. I um couple more yeah I'd like to read a couple more okay one that I thought was really great so as we we kind of ended toward the fountain there was a moment that Tony kind of released us to go to go um frolic frolic in the fountain and I have a dear friend Sherry who um who literally started skipping toward the fountain and so I I grabbed hands with her even though I, I think how many I don't know how many years it's been since I skipped I actually think I might have thrown my back out <laughs> I'm not actually kidding you. It's feeling better this morning, but see, that's it's a sadness and that I don't skip very often. But she she wrote she was surprised by how few people uh, skip and frolic. That's what she actually wrote on her card. Okay. So we need more skipping and frolicking. Um, on a sunnier day, I feel like the frolicking will be more. I agree. Ubiquitous. I agree. Um, another person actually wrote that. Uh, and this actually really surprised me. Uh, she wrote that the first two sections of the readings help her sort out a major paralysis that she'd been experiencing with her faith. Hmm. So that was that was really beautiful to read. And that's somebody whose faith I really respect, who I think is a really genuine, honest person. Uh, someone else wrote that that someone other people should do this because they met amazing people. I mean, hey, we're pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, and the potential to be inspired and gain insight. That's great. Uh, I think that people were surprised by Portland itself. And I think that um, for me, one of the, at one of the stops, uh, at one of the stops, the, the, the um, what was the at the memorial mm, the war memorial i literally death. have never looked at that statue before right right can you describe it yeah so all across portland there there are these memorials to death to remembering those who have died and this particular one is right in downtown portland it's right near the courthouse and it's a it's a memorial to to the oregonians who died in the spanish-american war and if you actually read the the engraving on the pillar it's basically, this is to remember death, that we wouldn't forget death, is what it says. And so we stopped there, and we just sort of had a moment of considering both both um, th that people do die, and there's grief in that, but they also die for us, that they that people literally give their lives for us. And how do we process that and think that through, and how do we hold the idea of death within us um, and then continue to live? Part of the idea of pilgrimage is that you slow down and and you take a look at things with fresh eyes and one of the things I mentioned in the invitation was that we would be looking at things in Portland that we may had may have not seen before we may have passed by them but not really looked at them and that was that was an experience for me there because I've passed by that statue I don't know how many times but I had never really seen it so that was an important moment just to acknowledge that, like hmm. how many times we do that. I, I found one other quote that I really want to read um, that just said, it was for the question number three. It said, why would you encourage someone to participate in the future? And he wrote, it seems to me in our fast-paced social media, split-second attention span society, that many people don't know how to enjoy the journey. 
Like any drug addict constantly looking for the next fix, people fear the life, fill their lives with whatever their next fix is and miss the beauty of what occurs in any journey. I'm learning it is okay to grieve. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to be happy. It is okay to dance. I think today was a small example of producing that sort of freedom. So we're going to, um, we're going to, this week, we're going to post the liturgy on the blog so people can get it and just, I assume they'll just be able to download the PDF yep. or something, or maybe we'll have to reformat it. We'll figure that out, but it'll be there for you. Uh, if you have any questions, just write us and about how to do it or what it would look like to grab a couple friends and do it, or heck, maybe we'll go with you if you want to do it. Um, but uh, let us know, enjoy it. At the very least, just take some time to look at the wisdom of people who've gone before us. Uh, these 24 quotes really are... Um, I think they're a beautiful, it's a beautiful museum to wisdom. So take a chance to do that. Any closing thoughts, Kari? I think that uh, I'm going to read one of the quotes that you had. Just one moment. This was also one of my favorites. A reading by C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Um, yesterday was a great example of exploring life and hopeful emotion, and we'll do a whole lot more of that. To close us, I'm going to read the last quote from the pilgrimage yesterday. May the peace of the Lord go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thanks for getting lost with us. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.